Morning, North Ave. How are you all doing today? Well, Pastor Jeff uh, is not here today, but uh, I was scheduled to preach next week, so I listened to my mother and I prepared in advance. So it was done. It just uh, was ready for today anyway, so uh, God knew what he was doing. So uh, today we're going to go through the series that Pastor Jeff has been leading us through uh, called The Gospels. And what does the gospel mean? That was so quiet. What does the gospel mean? Good news. And we're going to look at some more good news today. We're going to be in the Gospel of John chapter 9. If you want to flip there, uh, either in your Bibles or if you've got a device you want to flip there too, that's fine to do. Uh, we want to welcome those online that are viewing today. We're happy uh, to join us. And you are part of our family here and we, we love that that's a way you can join us. But before we get into chapter 9, we're going to back up just a little bit into chapter 8 of uh, John. And I'm just going to summarize this. I want to set the stage for what Jesus was going to enter into here. So in chapter 8, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders. And they're having a discussion. And Jesus has ruffled their feathers in his ministry. And they're looking for a way to kind of get rid of Jesus. So they're having this discussion that gets even more intense. And at the end here in chapter 8, Jesus says, in essence, before Abraham was, I am. And that was blasphemy to the Pharisees that he was comparing himself to God or declaring himself God. So they bent down and picked stones up and they were ready to stone him. But Jesus got out. It wasn't his time yet. So that's chapter 8. So put yourself in that situation. Someone was going to do some serious harm to you, going to stone you, pick the violence against you. How you'd feel inside. You'd be amped up. You'd be emotionally charged. So Jesus comes here in chapter 9 with this emotional state that probably we would have. So chapter 9. Verses 1 through 7, we're going to read here. It says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with his saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Lord, we ask that you bless the reading of your word. May your Holy Spirit open our hearts, our minds, to what you have for us today. In Christ's name, amen. So that's the scene. Jesus comes off this emotional threat to him, physical threat to him. But he saw this man. He didn't walk by him. He had the sense enough, if you want to say, or the Holy Spirit in him, the calling for him to notice this man to do this miracle. And this person being blind back in that culture, he probably didn't have an opportunity to make a living being blind. And so he was probably taken to the temple and he begged to try to get money from the religious leaders, those coming into temple to um, 
worship, that they would give him some coins so he could survive. And in verse 3, the disciples said, whose fault is this? It has to be somebody's fault, right? And they were not, the disciples were the, not the schooled people of the world. They'd had some schooling in that. They knew uh, of the Torah and they knew some of those things, but they didn't go all the way through and they weren't going to become rabbis in the traditional sense. They could have been referring to Exodus 20 in chapter, or chapter 20, verse 5, which says, You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I am the Lord your God. I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. That may have been coming to their mind that this is a generational thing. Something must have happened that the father sinned and now it's on to the next generation and it may go to the third and the fourth generation. They may have been thinking that. Isn't that like us today that we want answers? We want to dot every I, cross every T. We want to know for sure what's going on as if God owes us an answer. But Jesus answered them and said, it was nobody's fault. It was not the sin that caused this. This was done so God's glory could be revealed today from what he was about to do. And that's not any different today in our current times. That those things that we have, those physical ailments, those hurts, those pains, those scars that we have, God can use those for his glory if we allow him. The good and the bad of our lives may end up being for his ultimate glory when he uses them. It may not be as dramatic as this where a blind man receives sight, but it's dramatic because God will use you. In the Chosen series, if you haven't heard of that, Another plug for here at North Avenue, Thursday night, there's a men's group that meets out in the Markham Center. And we're going through this uh, series called The Chosen. And in one of the episodes was a, a very touching and moving scene where Jesus had them gather, the 12 disciples, and he was going to send them out two by two to go minister in different parts of the country there. And he was going to empower them to do what he had been doing to heal people. And so as that meeting breaks up, Jesus walks out, and one of the disciples, James the Lesser, the, the Bible calls it, but in this series, he's called Little James. And little James has a, a kind of a walking stick, and he has a little bit of a limp, and he comes up to Jesus, and in a sense says, I've seen you heal all these people. What about me? I'm one of your disciples. Why do I still have this physical ailment in me? And Jesus had an answer back to him that was so touching. And he said, God has trusted you with this malady that you have. That God has confidence in you that you can handle this thing that you don't want. And you're going to handle it for his glory. And someday, little John, you're going to run and you're going to jump in heaven. But God's going to use you in the form you're at. For his glory. Just think of how it's going to look when you go out and you heal somebody. Maybe they got the same ailment as you, and you heal them in my name. And then you struggle to get up on your walking stick and you limp away. What a testimony that brings to me. And that's for us our ailments, our scars, our pain. God is saying, Give them to me, 
and I can use it for my glory. And in John's writing, either the Gospels or if you look at 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he's always referring to Jesus as the light, the light of the world. And Jesus is telling them here, there's going to be a time when it's going to be dark, it's going to be night. We won't be able to do this work. We need to do it now while the light is here. And he was referring to his own death. There's going to be a dark time. I'm not going to be here. We need to do the work now while I'm here to give God the glory, to get people in tune religiously, no, spiritually, yes, to what God has for them. Now, when I was reading through this and preparing, I don't know, maybe it's just my mind and how it works, but has anyone thought, why did Jesus use mud to give the blind man sight? Had anybody thought of that, or am I just a kind of oddball? Another oddball over there. <laughs> why did he use mud? It makes no sense, right? He could have just said, be healed, and he'd have been healed or touched his eyes, put his hands on him, and been healed, but he decided to use mud. In all my research, I can't find an answer for that. There's no answer of why he used mud. We can think about a few things, maybe the reasons why it was used. Back in the Old Testament, some had believed that saliva was kind of a, had a healing quality to it. Now, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but how many of you, and this was my mother. But how many of you, if you got a sty on your eye, you remember, you've ever had a sty on your eye? It's kind of like a pimple or a cyst kind of thing on your eye. How many of you, where your mother told her to put spit on it? Anybody? Either my mom was a genius or she was way out there. But she always said, just take a little saliva and put it on your eyelid. And I don't know if it worked or not. I can tell you this, if I get one in the next week or so, guess what I'm doing? I'm putting some saliva on my eye. I did that when I was a kid. Don't know if that does anything. But messing with your eyes, your eyes are very, very sensitive. If you get an eyelash in there, it's, it's uncomfortable. Jesus is saying, I'm going to put mud on your eyes. I'm going to put dirt in there. We've all had something in our eye that just is irritating. It, it's not a good experience. But Jesus chose to do this. And I think what he was doing is saying, I can use the unusual. I can use what you think cannot be used and bring glory to myself. He flipped the scene totally, 180. I can't come up to you and you say, boy, my eye hurts. And I say, here's some mud. Bam, right in your eye. Doesn't make sense. Jesus used this to say to this blind man, trust me. I know this may not sound like it's logical. I know this may be out in left field for you, but trust me, this is going to work. And we see the blind man did not resist. He let him do it. At this time, Jesus didn't reveal to him, I'm Jesus, the Messiah. He just heard this voice, and this guy was starting to put mud on his eyes. He obeyed. He was given a, an action to be done, by Jesus, go now to this pool of Siloam and wash. And everybody there would have known this pool. This was a pool that was made, and you can, it was kind of referenced in 2 Kings uh, chapter 20, that King Hezekiah at the time had built this underground uh, viaduct to get water into the city. So if they were attacked or, or whatever, they always would have clean water there. So everyone knew of this. So when he went there, I'm assuming there were people there. 
that saw this blind man walking there with the big mug cakes on his eyes, like, what's going on here? He washed and got healed. It's interesting that the sent one, Jesus, asked this guy to go to the pool that is called sent and wash in it and be healed. There was something greater going on than a physical healing here. It was a spiritual thing Jesus was showing that we trust God and let him wash us of our sins and of those hurts and pains and receive spiritual sight, receive what God has for us to trust him. And this task to go and wash was this blind man's Directive And our directive is going to be where God wants us to go as well. The blind man heard Jesus' voice before he ever saw him. He just heard the voice. Isn't that faith? Without seeing, we're supposed to believe. That's faith, right? Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's faith to hear his voice, to know that's God talking to me in whatever realm he's going to talk to you in. Just the next chapter, John chapter 10, 27, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and I know them and they follow me. So this man's healed. He can now see and everybody rejoices, right? No, nobody did. We pick the story back up in John 9, 8 and 9. It says, The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. This is me. No one's rejoicing in this miracle. They're saying, Is that really you? What, what's going on here? The joy and the miracle wasn't there. He just got accusations and eventually an inquisition. We need to celebrate what God does for us in our lives. We need to have joy in what he's done. And we can have that joy as it's happening to us. And we need to be in joy with those, our brothers and sisters that are receiving a blessing, that we're joyful with them and not to miss it. How often do we look past that and we want answers. We want the prove-it-to-me attitude that it was really God instead of just basking in what God has done. Because God does things that sometimes doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. Think about it. I'm going to put mud on your eyes. Go wash and you can see. Yeah, right. Give up something, an activity, a hobby. Watching Netflix for seven straight hours. Give that up. Read your Bible, pray, join a men's group, a woman's group, do something for Christ. You mean to give up something I love doing and I'm going to be happier? Yeah, right. I'm on a tight budget. You're, you're asking me to tithe when I have no more money, but you're telling me I'm on a tight budget and if I tithe, I'm going to have more money in the end of the month? Yeah, right. You get a new coach and the Lions win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, right. Seems improbable, right? All I know is if Jesus can open the eyes of a blind man, he can cause the lions to win. I'm a lion fan forever, so I'm holding to that. 
Even his parents didn't celebrate. Oddly enough, could you imagine as a parent seeing your, your son healed from birth? He's been blind, he now is healed. The scripture doesn't say that they rejoiced. The man was drug into the, the temple, and now the Pharisees were peppering him with questions. What happened, and how, how did this go on, and tell me the whole story, and know this Jesus is a sinner, he couldn't have done this, and bombarded him, and they even brought the parents in to question them. And they kind of stood back and said, hey, he can speak for himself. He's of age. He can speak for himself. Why would maybe they done that? I don't know, but one of the reasons could be the Pharisees held a whole lot of power back in that day over the lives of those. And if they didn't agree with the Pharisees, they went against them, they could be ex excommunicated out of the temple maybe for a 30-day period of time, maybe a longer period, or total. So they were risking a lot because, again, we have an Old and a New Testament. All they had then was the writings of Moses and the prophets. They're what we call the Old Testament. That's all they had to go on. They had to give sacrifices for their sins. If they couldn't go to the temple, how are they going to be forgiven of their sins? they would have felt that they were doomed. I can't get my sins forgiven anymore. What would happen to them socially? That if they were deemed the ones that were kicked out of the temple, if they had a business, who would go there? These people are rebels. They've been kicked out of the temple. Instead of my, me buying my goods from there, I'll go over here and buy them. There was a lot at stake there. And the parents played the safe route. They said, no, we're not going to comment. Besides, he's our son. We, we can verify that, but he's old enough. Ask him. Let him speak for himself. And the blind man did. The blind man faced the same things. He faced excommunication out of the church. He faced a life that they could make very difficult for him. But he stuck to the facts. He knew what happened. And he wasn't afraid to stand up and talk. In John 9, 11, he says, he answered them when he's being this inquisition of what happened. He said, he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed and received sight. Then in chapter 9, verse 15, so the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see then in the 25th verse, he said, he answered, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. This blind man risked everything to stand up for Jesus. They were after these questions, and this guy was not going to fall into their trap. How often do we keep quiet when we know truth, when we know what God has said in his word, yet we keep quiet because we're afraid of the confrontation. We're afraid that if I stand up at work, I may lose my job or when lunchtime comes, I'm the only person eating all by myself and I don't have any camaraderie there anymore because I stood up for what I believed in, what the Bible teaches me. If you stand up, you may lose that circle of friends. 
They may excommunicate you out of their circle because of you standing up for what you believe and what you believe God is saying to you. How many remember, I can't remember the exact year, but the WWJD bands that people wore? You remember those? What would Jesus do? Very popular. Actually a really good thing. The whole design of that was in, when we're in a situation and we're kind of confused or we don't know what to do, we look at that, okay, WWJD, what would Jesus do to try to get us to act like Jesus? A great thing for us, and we should all do that. But it seems that's kind of went in the direction of what would Jesus do, and it would be somehow, some way to show love and mercy and grace, which is a side of God that is huge, and he wants us to do that. But there's times where Jesus says, stand up for me. Stand up for my word. Stand up against the current that's coming at you for me. And the blind man did that. He stood up. He didn't run. And some scholars believe within about six months of this incident is when Jesus was crucified. So Jesus knew that he was fueling the fire as he just came from this conversation with the Pharisees where he kind of argued with them and, and told them that he was the one, he was the Messiah, gave them more fuel to go after him because they had an agenda. They wanted to get rid of Jesus, and he didn't shy away from that. He went after that, and he gave them more fuel for the fire. What would Jesus do? There's times Jesus is going to say, be quiet. This is not the time to stand up and fight. Bite your tongue. Nah, that's me. Bite your tongue, Pat. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's not the right time. Or, Pat, I'm not calling you to do that. That is not your job. I sent you over here. Stay in your lane over here. I got somebody else prepared to handle that. And there may be times where he said, this is it. This is what I've prepared you for. This is what our relationship's been all about. You're going to stand up for me, and I'm going to be with you. It may be difficult, but I'm going to be with you as you go through this because this is going to bring me glory. And it may lead somebody, somebody with mud all over them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, when I started to attend this church over 30 years ago and a lot more gray hair less, one of our dear saints, Eleanor Haskins, lady I loved, she said to me, you know, and when she said, you know, you listened. She knew what she was talking about. This was a lady who walked with God her whole life and she had wisdom upon wisdom. And she said, you know, you can argue with people all day long about doctrine and about scripture and that's all well and good. But one thing nobody can ever argue with you about is your testimony. What Jesus Christ has done in your life. They can't argue that. You know what he's done. And she pointed her finger at me in a loving way. She said, you have your testimony ready. You don't know when it's going to be called on. But you have it ready and you have one. Because you have a relationship with Jesus and tell him what he's done in your life. What a great message from her. See, the Pharisees wanted a theological debate 
All this man wanted to do was talk about Jesus. That's all he wanted to do. He didn't want to get into the debate with them. He wanted to say, this is what Jesus has done for me. I don't care what you're talking about. You can blab all the stuff you want. I'm talking about Jesus. I know what he did for me. See, this blind man had two encounters with Jesus. The first one, he received his physical sight. And the second one, he received his spiritual sight. In John 9, 35 through 38, it says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Pharisees were done with him. They were, I'm not going to argue anymore. Get out of the temple. Go. It says, having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And this blind man said, he answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him. It is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. How often in our day that we go, do we worship God? Are you willing to worship him in the middle of Walmart when God does something, when he reveals something to you, to worship him there? Are you willing? I heard that. That's a great, I've got a yes. I'm going to Walmart with you. (laughs) Are we willing through our days to let those times where we know it's God and it may be the littlest of things. Do we stop our day and say, thank you, God. Thank you for looking out for me. I see you. I feel you. Thank you. That God has this relationship he wants with us where he, he has us in a position, if we let him, to feel his move and his touch. And these two encounters that happened happened to us too. But when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, your life will be changed. It will be changed. You can't have a real encounter with Jesus and not be changed. It's too powerful. And as Christians, we have two encounters with Christ as well, I believe. That first encounter is when we give our life to him. When we have that moment of, God, I'm a sinner and I need you. Forgive me. Let me feel that forgiveness and then now guide me. I'm going to try to live for you the best I can. We have that moment where we say that prayer and we're called in the church circle, we're saved then, right? We're saved from our sins. But that second encounter we have with Jesus is when we know our calling, where God's sending us, what he wants us to do. And each and every one of us have that calling in our lives that if we've turned our life over to him he has a purpose for us and he wants to use us and it may look like mud to us but God's in the midst of that and he wants to use us in this miracle Jesus asserted his authority over many things He asserted his authority, God's authority over physical ailment, the person being blind. And I know looking around in this room, there's been people that God has done a miracle physically in your life. That he's healed you from something. Maybe even the doctor said, there's no hope. And Jesus stepped in and said, oh yeah, there is. that God shows up when he needs 
to show up. God asserted his power over sin, over bad theology, over the Sabbath. This miracle happened on the Sabbath. You couldn't do that on the Sabbath day. You couldn't heal somebody. He broke one of the 99 laws on the Sabbath of not doing work. Healing somebody would have been one. Spitting and making mud was an activity. That was, he broke the law there too. And he was saying, you're so hung up on the law. Get hung up on me and what I can do in people's lives. Be hung up on what God can do in people, not these laws. He had authority over all that. And I believe we're all born spiritually blind. And we need Jesus to help us see spiritually. The blind man didn't know who was putting mud on his eyes, though he allowed him to do it. And in verse 17, they, when he was being in this inquisition, they were asking him who, who this Jesus is, and I don't know, maybe he's a prophet. He knew it was somebody more than just a normal man doing this to him because after he went and washed, he could see. He knew this guy had some power of some sort. He didn't know if it was a prophet. He didn't know if it was the Messiah. He didn't know, but he knew it was somebody with some greater power than a normal man. And then after, he met him a second time. He knew him as Lord and Savior. And what are we calling Jesus today? What are you calling him? What am I calling him? Is he the cross necklace we wear around our neck so people can see that and say, oh, they must be a, a Christian? Is it a band we wear? I wear one about prayer. Is it a band we wear? Bumper sticker on our car, the old fish symbol. Who is he to us? Is he the one that is our life, our everything, all we do? Is he our purpose, our goal, to serve him? to be used by him in any circumstance that he wants to use us in? That's the Jesus I believe we're being called to follow. The one that may not make logical sense to you at times. And we can't see what he's doing. But he's always a day ahead, a week ahead, a month ahead, a year ahead. He knows where he's going. We take his hand and we follow knowing that he has something planned for us, for his glory, as we turn our lives over to him. If you'll close your eyes and bow your heads today as we end, I want to pray over you. I want to pray that God uses each and every one of us for his glory. And I don't know where anybody's at today in their faith. There may be some in this room or listening online, you've never made that commitment to God. You never have. But today, God's tugging on your heart saying, follow me. Let me use you. And there may be others here that have been Christians for a long period of time. And you've kind of got in a little rut. And now you're saying, God, I, I want to be used by you. If you're here today, watching online, if you want to be used by God either the first time or you want to be used by God to the best of your ability for him, I'll ask you to lift your head and open your eyes. Look up to him right now.
right where you're at. Lift your head, open your eyes. I see you. God sees you. Lord, I pray. I pray for all that is within me. Let those that raise their head and open their eyes. Lord, I pray that the miracle you did with this mud on the blind man's eyes will restore spiritual sight to those that have lifted their head. And oh God, you want us to look up. You don't want us to hang our head in shame. You want us to look up and make eye contact with you. And just with a simple, simple prayer, God, use me. Help me, guide me. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall upon each and every one of us to give up our own desires, our own life, and just follow you and where you're leading us. And as you do this, just as this miracle was performed where this blind man receives sight, the miracle of what you'll do in our lives is going to be powerful. How you use us for your glory. I pray for your Holy Spirit to fall upon each one. May hearts and lives be changed for you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Enjoy your day.